Welcome everybody watching. Welcome everybody here to the first ever podcast between Rooster Teeth and hey. my man Gus and my man Bernie and my brother Joe Rogan representing the Honest Staff here on a team. Hey everyone. Uh, thanks for having us out, man. This place is awesome. It's yeah. beautiful. It's I was telling Bernie before we got started, this is my first time ever in a gym. So, like, I've seen pictures of Welcome. gyms on the internet. Was it as painful as you expected? No, this place is awesome. <laughs> you know what? One of the saddest stereotypes of all time is that Mexican people got labeled as lazy. They are the hardest working, most polite people in the entire world. They do jobs that I would fucking fall over dead if I attempted to do. The one exception is him. He's the <laughs> laziest fucking person on the planet. You live in stereotype. It's not laziness. It's efficiency. No, you are the speedy Gonzalez of the internet, essentially. That's where you live. You occupy that space. We were talking about this chick. She was up on this uh, hoop over here. This, uh, what, she's like an aerial dancer? Aerialist. Yeah. Lyra. Yeah. What's that? It's called Lyra. Is that what it's called? Yeah. I call it hot as hell. Anyway, <laughs> I would love to see you... After this, climb that rope and get on that fucking hoop. I would love to see it. We got a woo in the back. You got to do it now. I'm going with efficiency over lazy. (laughs) This is why. You're here. You did something, right? Yeah. So I got out of bed. I put this coat on. And I'm sitting here. And you got to the position somehow in life where you're at a microphone talking... And a lot of people are listening, so I would go with efficiency. Don't let him fuck with you, man. Yeah, Joe, you're, you're just enabling him. That's all you're doing. <laughs> I'm all about enabling people. You're an enabler. It's scary. I think about that a lot. It's like, what trajectory did my life go on that I'm the asshole sitting under the lights with a microphone and people come and like download our podcast and listen to it? It's like, what a weird, strange journey it is to get to that point. It's even stranger that we're in a room full of people that can't even understand a fucking word we're saying. <laughs> That's even stranger. We did a live broadcast and nobody can understand what we're saying because it echoes. That's even stranger. You think that's important? You think we should have chosen a venue other than a hard-walled gym with high ceilings? Yeah, I would say probably that's not a good move. <laughs> but but we we're can. here, and it's kind of like life. You just show up, and sometimes you just got to fucking play in the arena you go in. But we have to make an agreement amongst each other. If any one of us says something and we don't know what the fuck we said, if I don't know what you said and I just look at you and go like that, don't press me on it. Okay. Just like, if you, if you give me the wink, if you give me the... That's right the there, signal. I don't know what the fuck you just said. It's like, I have literally no idea what you just said just right there. Just look for the wink. I think, I think that's what I got about. All right, guys. So I, I had a loose topic, and I know we're going to go all over the place. But I was able to go to the Oculus Rift Game of Thrones exhibit here at South by Southwest. An amazing experience. Complete immersion in a 3D world. They had fans blowing. You step to the edge of the wall. You're dodging arrows. You look down. Your stomach drops because your mind thinks that it's real. And for those of you who don't know what an Oculus Rift is, it's a full virtual reality uh, headpiece that you wear where you can look in any direction. And they partnered with Game of Thrones for this experience. You look over the wall and it's like that feeling you get right at the top of a building. And then arrows come flying by and one hits you in the chest and you fall off the wall to your death like a bad dream. And I got out of there and I said, when are they going to make porn like this? <laughs> it's, uh, so you were impressed? You liked it? You had a good time with I it? I was impressed. But, but it made me think, what is the future? Where is this all going? And is that a good thing? Is it going to go too far? 
I've tried Oculus Rift. My friend Duncan has an earlier version, one of the first models. It's pretty amazing. Even though it's really pixelated, it's still incredible. Just the, just the looking around and seeing this artificial world, it's, uh, it gives you like a really intense feeling of what's coming next, you know? You know, the thing, like, I think it's, it's, it's crazy what they're doing now. My, my thoughts on the Oculus Rift is I feel like it's, it's an iteration in technology. You know, we saw this, this shit back in the 80s and the 90s. People had these same goofy headsets on. They've been trying to make it work forever. Yeah, I feel reality. like now it's just the same thing with an HD display. But maybe that's what it takes to make yeah. that, that It leap. was just missing a bunch of technology. The idea was always there, but the, the technology itself just hadn't caught up yet. But now it seems like it's pretty close. It's amazing stuff. Well, co- cost is always a factor in those things, too. And that Oculus Rift, if you go out and buy a dev kit... They're only like 300 bucks for one of those dev kits for the whole headset and everything. So anybody can go order it. Started off on Kickstarter, uh, then was successful. Then once they fulfilled all the backers, yeah, now it's only 300 bucks. And you can actually now, uh, you can buy a treadmill. That's like a, it's like a, yeah, it looks like omnidirectional treadmill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it looks wow. like, a, like a contact lens, like a concave surface that you stand in the middle of. Uh. And you walk and all that. But at, what, at some point, when do you just go out and, like, instead of playing Call of Duty, just go out and play paintball or airsoft or something like that? I don't know, because I think it's it's so exciting what visual worlds they're, they're capable of creating. Like, And I also think that people are going to get exercise. Like, you remember when Dance Dance Revolution came out all these people lost all this weight because they really loved playing that game? And they, yeah. they were moving around, and it was really kind of cool. I think a lot of that's going to happen with Oculus Rift. I think people are going to do 3D shooters and they're going to be running around and they're going to get in shape because they're going to want to play all day. Yeah, I think that's one of, one of my utopian visions for what this could do is imagine someone who's physically a little bit disabled and they can't quite get out there in the world and do the things that they see other people doing. With an Oculus Rift and with some of these, this equipment, you can get the same feeling at least very close with your eyes and how it moves and everything of running, of jumping off something. I mean, I can only imagine a squirrel suit ride in the Oculus Rift. It would feel incredible to do that. And I think to me, that's one of the utopian kind of visions. That and a remake of Leisure Suit Larry when you get the full virtual reality experience. <laughs> well, you remember in your office today, we were talking about soaring over California, yep. the, the, the game at Disneyland. Have you ever guys ever ridden that ride, it's soaring so- over California Oh no, at Disneyland? It's incredible. It's a ride where you sit in this chair and you're suspended and the, the screen is massive. It's above you and below you. It curves and it takes you on this flight over all these various areas of California. And when you go over the orange trees, it throws like a mist in the air that has like an orange scent to it. When you smell the uh, pine trees, you smell the ocean. It's really wild. But it's just it's so like, it almost feels like you're flying. You know you're not really flying. But we're close to you really feeling like you're flying. And one day, it's going to be indistinguishable. Now, that's the basis for simulation theory. Yeah. And, and that's what I think is missing. That's the key component missing, like with the Oculus, is that physical interaction. It's yeah. like you can fool your eyes all you want, but until you're wearing like a full suit that like gives you those sensations, it's still an incomplete experience. Yeah, but you're going to be able to fool your skin. You're going to be able to fool gravity. You're going to be able to fool everything eventually. It's just a matter of when they figure it out. Well, you know, it's uh, kind of scary to me about that is what happens ultimately when people come, become, have access to all these experiences and they quickly become desensitized to them. 
and it's like jump, jump, jump. We gotta go up to the next level. Like we all remember the first time we watched a roller coaster movie, and we had that feeling in the pit of our stomach. I can watch a roller coaster movie today. I don't have that. Right. So and it's like after a while you acclimate to that, and if you have these experiences basically on demand. You know, that you can pull up at the push of a button. What happens then? Then where do we go from there? That's a good point because you see that in porn. You see that in violent movies. You see that in pretty much everything. People are never satisfied with a static state. Mm-mm. They always want everything to ramp up. I mean, violent movies. I mean, just look at Walking Dead. The Walking Dead is way more violent than any zombie movie from the 80s or the 90s. Yeah. And it's like, it's crazy because when you go back to like the 50s and 60s, the horror back then was really like yeah. fucked up like yeah. the stuff they would they would tackle and now then they went through the 80s it was just gore and all that it's just nuts which brings me to the dystopian vision for me and the dystopian vision is let's say the oculus rift is no longer nintendo 64 graphics let's say it's actual video quality graphics where you could see the anguish on someone's face if you heard them and then you have a gun you have a shooting system you have sensors you have everything and you're on one of those treadmills and you're running and you are literally going to war and lighting people up, and it's a full immersive experience. Is that healthy for a human being to go that far? I think the real question is, are we gonna remain human beings? Because I think the answer is no. I think we're gonna be some sort of a symbiote. We're gonna connect to computers in a way where we're not individuals anymore. We're gonna be a part of something electronic. And when that happens, yeah, we're, that kind of shit's not good. <laughs> it's not good for this animal. But for the thing that comes next after us, you know, maybe it'll work. And that might be what's going on with people right now with this incredible escalating technology. Yeah, you know, it's crazy you say that because then it becomes like this collective that we're all moving towards. And I was trying to explain uh, to my conservative friends, a lot of conservative people in Texas, as you can imagine, when Obama was being elected and they were worried about, you know, you know, there was doomsday, like, oh, we're headed towards a socialist, you know, communist republic. And I had to explain to him, I said, you should not worry about what politics is going to do with our society and changing things. The internet's going to make us way more socialist than anything else. Because the internet, everyone expects everything whenever they want it and for free. And then you have that whole who contributes, who doesn't, and there's no checks and balances for that. So I think that kind of system on a socioeconomic scale, it can happen. And then if we talk about it on a biological scale, shit. How much of your brain do you already outsource? Yeah. I outsource my memory to this. I, you know, every trivia fact I ever want to know, I'm just walking around with the collective human intelligence in my pocket now. Yeah, amazing. And I'll, I'll go one better. I think there's another thing that we have to be concerned with when it comes to money, that money at this point in time is just information. It's just ones and zeros. It's numbers on a, a computer database somewhere. There's no resource-based right. currency. So if it's not based in actual, you, get, you can't trade it for a mineral. Well, what the fuck is it? And when we're moving towards this direction where everyone has access to all information, which seems to be what's going on, including privacy going away. Well, privacy is going to go away. And you know what's after privacy? Money. Because how are you going to hold on to all that shit if the next level of technology, in order to reach it, you have to have no boundaries between any person and any information, period. When we abandon that, we're essentially abandoning the concept of money. I mean, I don't know if money can survive the technological revolution. That's like uh, Star Trek, right? There's no money in Star Trek. It's like you reach this point where people just do what makes them happy and it 
progresses everyone as a whole. You don't have yeah. to worry about the day-to-day -day bullshit stuff. Well, we're pretty locked into the idea of money being a permanent part of our culture, but, you know, why is that? I mean, it wasn't always with human beings, and human beings couldn't always have access to the entire world's information database yeah. on their phone like that. Things change. And, you know, the last thing any rich person wants to hear is that. The last thing any person who's really financially or materially oriented wants to hear that, but that seems to be where it's going to me. Well, you look at, like, what's the precursor for money going away? It's like the value of things changes. Uh, Facebook just bought a messaging company called WhatsApp. Bought them for $18 billion. United Airlines sold for $4.5 billion. That's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, wow. this airline that has planes and people and infrastructure and an app sold for $18 billion. That makes me want to invent some stupid shit and try to sell it to Facebook. <laughs> I want to invent something just to sell it to Facebook. You about Google, Google, you talk about information. Google bought a thermostat company called Nest. Bought them for $3.2 billion. And it's basically, what is Google doing there? They're just saying, this is a piece of information that we didn't think to get. We never thought to figure out how to calculate how people are using energy in their homes. But if you're delivering information and you're a multi, multi hundred billion dollar company, how, what's the most important thing you need to deliver that information? How, you need to know how people are using the energy. That's an important part. So $3.2 billion, ma'am. Google's laid out there. Wow. That's a perfect example of money's value, the value just changing and distorting in a weird, sort of an indecipherable way, you know? But do you think, like, there's everyone who says that, then immediately will say, like, well, invest in gold or whatever. Are you one of those people who believes in gold is a thing you should invest in? No, I think it's an archaic notion. I think we have to really figure out, like, what things are worth. And how do you pay for them? And how do how do you go about being? Look, if society folded right now, if uh, an asteroid hit and 90% of the population was wiped out, would the 10% left stick with dollar bills? I mean, what would they do? Or gold? What right. You, you can't, can't eat. You can't gold. eat gold. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can't eat gold. What I always say is, you can't eat it and you can't fuck it. So in a post-apocalyptic world, I don't care about it at all. Yeah. Well, you don't know that Arbor used to work for the Fleshlight. You can fuck gold. <laughs> you just have to figure out a way to. Put some rubber pussy inside the gold. That's what I'm saying. The, re the remake of Leisure Suit Larry. It's going to be full interactive experience. But could you imagine that kind of full interactive dating experience where you're in a bar, you have some kind of sex simulator, you go, you talk to people, you meet people. Some are bots, some are real people. And then instead of just having sex by typing in kiss her on the neck or whatever you used to do in Leisure Suit Larry, it actually happens based on what you do. I yeah, mean, that I, kind of sexual encounter is inevitable. It's I, inevitable, and it'll probably be the first application of like a real, true, immersive virtual I've, reality. I've seen tech demos of this already, where people wear the Oculus Rift, and it shows them they're having sex with some like anime girl, and they set up like a Tenga egg yeah. or some like masturbatory device in front of them, and it has force feedback in it as well, <laughs> which like relates force to feedback. the simulation. It's like, yeah, I've seen that. It's um. It's, you know, it's one step on the way to this inevitable, blurry, indistinguishable line between technology and reality. I think reality will become technology. And that's part of this, the whole idea behind simulation theories, that one day there'll be a simulation that's so good, it'll be indistinguishable from reality. Now, if that's the case, is it already here? And when you talk to, you know, 
the really crazy quantum physicist guys that ponder these sort of questions, they argue it in a way that's fairly convincing, that it is possible that it's going on right now. I'm sure you've seen yeah. all those articles online. About there's, there's a lot of people that feel like, like what you're talking about, the advancement of technology is such that eventually we'll get to the point where collective conscious merges, and I mean, very soon in our lifetime, perhaps, we'll be able to transfer our thoughts, our memories, get it copied and be simulated. Once computing power gets high enough to match what a human brain does, you could just copy over your brain over to a machine. Whether or not that's you, that's a huge philosophical conundrum. But there's a lot of people who feel like that then leads to iterations where what is the first thing you simulate? A world where those, those things don't exist. So where are we in the process? Is this the third, the fifth, the infinite to the nth time that this has gone on and we're already in a simulation? I hear that all I hear all that all the time. And it's one of those things that we hear it boggles my mind. Well, if death is, you pop your goggles off and you go, fuck, I thought it was real. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that, that could be one day what we experience, maybe right now. I read, a, I read a really great article in Wired about a guy who, who thinks that the technology singularity is going to happen, where basically humans defeat physical death. And he's afraid he's going to die before that happens. And it's all about this guy's quest Ray just Kurzweil. to stretch his life out as far as he can. Ray Kurzweil. Yeah, yeah. To, to get to that point in history. I interviewed him on my sci-fi show for like an hour. Fascinating, brilliant, brilliant guy. The thing about that guy is that he's predicted so many things correctly. I mean, he's, he's, he's not just a dreamer like me. He's the guy that's invented, I mean... A bunch of different things. I mean, it speaks to text. He's involved in the like the creation of so many groundbreaking pieces of technology and predicted them. He predicted internet search engines way before they were ever invented. So I think that you know you got to put a lot more credence in what that guy says. And it's interesting seeing him like taking all these vitamins and trying right. to hang in there to see the Big Bang. Yeah, it's like hitting a snooze button, you yeah. know, basically for life. It's amazing. It's fascinating stuff. To me, the crazy thing about the internet and where we are now is, even as a kid, I would read about this stuff before it came real. And it's like, this stuff was all going to come. And like, like books like Neuromancer and like people predicting like 2001 Space Odyssey. It's like, this seemed like an inevitability. We're going to invent these things. And it's just maybe the order's a little off. Yeah. And maybe like flying cars aren't here quite yet. But like the worldwide network of computers and everything, it's like, and so the exponential increase in how quickly these things are happening, you would like, I think, a game called Mass Effect. And you don't have a lot of time, it's a big game, but essentially the whole story whittles down to that inevitably with the progression of technology, eventually that has to destroy biology. Eventually it has to, it's inevitability. Like it's, um, it's like the Superman problem where... Superman tries to thwart villains from destroying the world. Superman's got to have a perfect record. He's got to have a thousand bad A average. Because if he fucks up once, the world gets destroyed. The, the villains only have to win one time, and that's it. And when you think about things like nuclear power, where we had the Manhattan Project 50 years ago, nobody, they, it was, went from theoretical to practical just by sheer force of human will. Now, we're worried about a suitcase nuke showing up in New York City. It's like, how do we go in 60 years from that point where somebody can do it in their backyard? A Boy Scout can, like, get radioactive material from smoke alarms and make his own fission reactor. And eventually, what happens when that goes to biology, where people are weaponizing stuff in their garage? Eventually, a progression of technology has to destroy the human race just by accident. 
Bernie, people are trying to get drunk here, man. You're trying to you're depressing the population. Who <laughs> needs those thoughts? It doesn't have to, though. It's possible that we achieve some age of enlightenment through this collection of consciousness. It is possible that technology might be actually the grand savior at the same time as being the thing that kills us. The only the thing that I think is one of the most fascinating things about those old movies that predicted the future was how much space travel they thought was going on, but it was basically like fucking drive-bys in space. Just people shooting out of each other's cars in space. They could barely have video conferencing. Remember on Star Trek, and you would come in, but it would be fucking blurry, and we're gonna fuck you up, fuck you you are, and then they would take off. I mean, there was no internet. You know, there was, they didn't have it. It was, they didn't predict so much of what we now find to be commonplace. They thought we were just gonna be flying through the universe you know, shooting at other people that were flying through the universe. They thought it was just going to be unevolved war in space. That, that's the human experience, though, right? Let's find new shit and fuck that up. Yeah. And <laughs> then we justify them. it by finding other beings out there way worse than us that are trying to fuck us up. You're like, oh, no, you don't. <laughs> I, think one of the, I think one of the interesting said, things you said that is optimistic is Perhaps there will be a way, and I think one of the frontiers is going to be in the brain, unlocking the brain's full potential. And I think the ability for people to link in kind of a neural network, if we were able to get to that point to where we're able to communicate with more than just words and text and unlock the powers of the brain to send these waves, something like uh, quantum entanglement will show, you know, where you, you alter one one photon and then across the world it alters another photon. There's systems at play that we may be able to tap into that actually could be a defense to that. We could be able to sense something off in the neural network and be able to stop it in a not pessimistic George Orwell Orwellian way. We could stop it in a more we're all connected in this unified consciousness way by unlocking the power of the brain. Right, so not like one government that's in power right. that stops crime but actually the collective consciousness of the human race realizing where it has a disease, you yeah. know, and stepping in and stopping it. Yeah, some Who people knows? around them would be like, whoa, something's fucked up over here. Let's check it out, you know, see what's going on. It's certainly very possible. I mean, some weird shit's coming this way. You know, what, it, what it's going to be, I think we're all just sitting around here speculating, and it's fascinating to do so, but I have a feeling no one's going to see it coming. We'll be like those people you talked about. We'll be the people inventing space travel, drive-bys, and we don't see the common shit. It's like we're looking at what we think, you know, this, this future is going to be, but the day-to-day shit that's really awesome, we have no idea. Yeah, There's no I way. I think you're right. I think you're right. Well, what? your predictions for the future are always based on what you know now. That's why in like the 50s or before that, everything was based on what cities were going to look like because we were building and construction was a big technology. And then everything after that, like you look at the 80s, all the future technology was like, how will the newspaper be delivered? And it's like, because they couldn't like think about the internet. They had to, to frame it in the context of a newspaper, you know? Because that was the big, or remember video phones. Video phones were predicted forever. Now we have them. Nobody uses these. <laughs> yeah, who FaceTimes you? <laughs> Somebody FaceTimes you, they're a fucking weirdo. I don't think I've ever completed a FaceTime conversation, ever. I've never. It's like, just call me. Yeah. I've done podcasts through Skype. That's it. I've never FaceTimed anybody. It's fucking weird. Why do I want to see you? I, 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 that doesn't give me any more information. Like, hearing you tell me or having you text me, that's all I need. I mean, I guess if you were just starting to date someone, you wanted to look at their face and talk to them at the same time, you might have some fun. Look at their face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. Or whatever. Or whatever. <laughs> or whatever. So one technology that is here that I thought was really fascinating is I watched a, I watched a documentary on these people that were actually connecting robotic arms to a neural network. And it goes, it goes both ways, too, so that they could control an arm to touch something like a racquetball, and they could tell that it was soft from the hand actually squeezing it versus touching something that was made of wood. So that not only could they control the arm, but they could get feedback from the hand and what it was squeezing back to the brain. And this isn't using their mouth to manipulate anything. This is using their actual brain. So it's bridging the gap toward creating an avatar type of situation. Did you say that already exists? Yeah, it already exists. No, they, they have kids games where you put on a headset and you just like, if you have a calm demeanor, it, it like rises the ball and all that. You play yeah, that's, a game. that's cerebral blood, blood flow. So the more you concentrate, the more blood goes to the front of your brain. And they can measure that through like uh, infrared sensors. So that's kind of lower level technology. This is actually operating on an impulse from the brain to move and squeeze. And then from the hand back to the brain to tell it if it was hard or soft. Wow. That's wild. Wow. That's I crazy. wonder if it ever would be able to figure out fake tits. <laughs> Never. You think it'll be baffled? It's like, it's soft. It's real. Never. <laughs> That's what the scanners at the airport are for. They're trying to figure all that out. Yeah, an x-ray. Woo! Feedback from her tits. <laughs> Robots. Well, now you're making feedback. But I like. I, I think the big technology that I'm looking forward to, which I think will really connect people, because I would love, and I hope it comes in my lifetime, the ability to record and play back someone's thoughts or dreams. It would be so amazing to see the world from somebody else's perspective. I would just, I mean, that would be such a gateway technology for me. Yeah, imagine tapping into a rock star doing a performance, you know? A packed house, all that injury, and you get to link into what he sees or download his memory of that, and maybe the night after, who knows? Holy shit! You know? What if you got it, though, and it turned out that you could see that they were just phoning it in? And they were playing Start Me Up for the fucking three millionth time. And in their head, it was a dog shit experience. To you, it's like, oh my God, it's the Rolling Stones. Well, we've already, Start Me Up. But he didn't we've already fired. seen like the beginning of that. There's, I don't know if you've ever seen this. There's this cat that researchers tapped into its brain. And they could extract video data from its eyes. And play it on a monitor. Yeah, I have so, seen that. It's amazing. Yeah, we... We're we're on the beginning, you know. We're at the beginning stages of some unbelievably incredible stuff. But I think that what you said is probably one of the first things we're going to get through, like a Google Glass type situation, where you can record someone's day. You'll be able to record visually first, and then they'll figure out some way to record neural impulses, and then then it'll get really weird when someone figures out how to quantify emotions. You know how to turn emotions into ones and zeros. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's love? That's 100011. Yeah. Well, let me, I mean, I know I've listened to your podcast a lot. I know you're all about expanding consciousness or studying consciousness. If you had a device where someone could take it to you and they'd say, I can induce extreme schizophrenia in you, you'll experience what that's like. I recorded a schizophrenic patient for an hour, and you can have it for an hour, and then I promise you, I can turn it off. Would you want to do that? I wouldn't want to be the first guy to do it. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't mind doing it. If you do it and you came back and you said it was awesome and beneficial and then there was a bunch of studies on it and everybody said it was okay, I think I would like to be a woman for a day. Not a day, but for a day you might get fucked. 
but I think you can get away with being a woman for like an hour and no one fucks you. Like, <laughs> just watch TV as a woman, read books as a woman, look at politics as a woman. I would like to feel what it's like to be that. Maybe feel what it's like to have sex. Maybe. Maybe. As a, just, you know, briefly. <laughs> with I, you. I don't want to freak myself out. But I think that it would, that would be something that we could benefit from. Because I think one of the big gaps between men and women is that we can't even imagine no. what the fuck they're like. And they can't imagine what we're like, but we know we want to have sex with them, and they know they want to kind of have sex with us. So we, we figure each out enough to be nice to each other and kind of don't do what the other person gets mad at. But if you look at the difference between the way men and women behave with each other, and look at how gay guys just fuck like wild animals. Yeah. Clearly, there's two different schools of thought that are competing for space here. Right. And I think it would be fascinating for a woman to be a man for a day and a man to be a woman for a day. I think that would be way more appealing to me than being a fucking schizophrenic. I, I, I like his idea more. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying that kind of thing would drastically change our opinion of mental illness and yes. crime and other stuff like that. Like if you could play back a crime scene and you like see what everybody went through in there, it would radically change the way you feel about it. Oh, most certainly. And I think we're also going to get a better understanding eventually as we understand people more and the, the way the mind works itself of what causes a person to be a crazy person whether or not it is nurture whether it's nature whether it's biological factors chemical factors what exposure who knows who knows what these factors are but if we can recognize the core causes of a lot of mental illnesses because of something like that where you can get inside someone's head and see the wrong connections they're making that's fascinating. What if it's like, oh, we realize now schizophrenia is just a chemical imbalance with these proteins. Here, you know, put these receptors on, and now that's gone. You know, your, your neurons fire correctly. Is the problem of can you fix people, or are they fucked because that's how they are? And how deep you know? would you go? Would you fix yeah. the stuff that, like, say we can turn this on or turn that off? How much would you start messing with your own little receptors? Right, right. And permanently, permanent changes to it. The yeah. scary thing about the gender thing is, what if you do that gender experiment, and one of the genders is clearly superior? I mean, it's not even a contest, and it's not your gender. Then what do you do? Well, people change sexes all the time, it's because they identify more with the opposite sex. I think we're going to eventually, if we don't get into some virtual world first, we're eventually going to have such a control over biology that we're going to be able to change who we are. Oh, chromosomally. Just, yeah, yeah, I really believe that. I think you're going to be able to be someone from Avatar if you want to. I think we're going to have a nation filled with people that don't even look like people. They look like whatever they want to look like. I think we're going to be able to alter our physical shape. I think it's just a matter of time. I really do. To get to, get to this point that we're all talking about now, we have to pass an important crucible of when they figure out how to create the orgasm button. And that we don't just sit around like a bunch of monkeys pressing our own orgasm button until we just collapse. I wonder if we wouldn't if it was so easy to achieve. You know, you know, maybe we would get bored with it. It would be like getting water out of the sink. You know, yeah. it used to be you had to fucking go hunt for water. You had to find water as a stream and you had to carry it back in coconuts. It was tough to get water. Now you see water, you're like, whatever. You don't give a shit. Right. Maybe it's going to be like that with the orgasm button. Now we buy bottles because we think this stuff out of the tap yeah. is shitty. You're just going to have an app on your phone. Someone's talking, you think they're boring, you, you come. Oh. They don't even know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, drinking water is, you know, never quite 
been exactly the same as the orgasm button. But I see your point. But but that's because you can get water. If yeah. you were in the if middle of the so desert thirsty. and you said, listen, I'm going to give you a gallon of water, I'm going to suck your dick, what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> you like, you like the water. fucking water. I can't <laughs> get it up right now. I'm dying of dehydration. <laughs> it's, it's, it's literally sitting right here, and I bet no one gives it a second thought. It's like, this was the pinnacle of civilization. This took centuries to develop this. And you're like, oh yeah, whatever. It's Aubrey, Aubrey would probably be like, how about you give me half a gallon of water and a hand job? Can we work something can, out? Can we go halfsies? Let's figure this I out. I made it this far. I'm pretty confident I can get to that oasis over the hill. Look, you're in the desert too. We're in this together. I got fluids. You need fluids. Let's work it out. Let's figure it out. Come on. It doesn't have to be either or. Come on. <laughs> So we talked, you know, quite a bit about Oculus and, like, virtual reality stuff. How do you feel about, like, Google Glass or, like, augmented reality stuff where you're, like, walking around and your phone, your repository, instead of being in your pocket, is right in front of you virtually? I don't, I mean, I don't like Google Glass as it stands. I've tried it and I felt like it was goofy. I don't need to see this in front of me. I don't want to have a floating image. I want, I mean, if I'm looking at navigation, I want to be able to look at my phone and put it away. But I think it's inevitable that it moves to something next level. Sort of like we're talking about virtual reality wasn't ready for its time. I think that's the same thing with Google Glass. I think what you're getting right now is just one step where they're going to eventually figure out some sort of a neural implant where you're going to see images in the world. You're going to be able to pull them up, put them away. You're going to be able to see things in front of you. You're not going to need a glass, you know, a little, little framed glass that's what I want. I want to walk down the street and see Yelp reviews of restaurants and be like, who has the best brunch right now? Oh, great. I'm going over there, you know? Like, <laughs> well, even better, you're going to see Yelp reviews of people. You're going to see people walk down the street, and if they have one star, they're going to be like, oh, yeah. douchebag, and you just walk to the other side of the street. Or yeah. it's like, would you like to see nudes of this person? Yes. Exactly. Okay. Well, oh, okay. Yeah. Would you like to watch this person have sex? Yes. Do you want them to touch your orgasm button? Yes. Tinder 3.0 right there. You just created wouldn't it. Though, wouldn't people just end up buying good reviews? It's like, wow, this chick's up with a lot of dudes in India, and they all said she was awesome. What a coincidence. That's a good point. But if you ever did find out that the Yelp review is fake, oh, my God, it would be such a backlash. Such a douchebag backlash. That would be what we'd have to do. We'd have to really self-police fake person Yelp reviews. Man, that would be tough. I, th I think that takes... I mean, we're just going to lose that kind of gray area for human connection where it's just like everything's going to be like part of an algorithm, you know? Yeah. And it's not going to be that process of just like, oh, you know, I was young and I slept with eight different people in a week just to try things out. You're not going to do that. Or you might do it and there might be a mathematical quotient to it. Like, I slept with three one-star reviews this week just to fuck around, you know? Something like well, that. It also might be just a bridge on the way to the next technology where we're essentially sharing a consciousness. I mean, the, the looking at someone's Yelp review might be pointless because by the time that technology arises, you just read someone's mind and find out whether they're a douchebag. Just look right at them and see their database. Don't you think that would, that's like a form of insanity, seeing other people's consciousness and like absorbing all of that information at well, once? Sure. Like, I don't know if I could handle that. It's like a, a, a data dump directly into your brain. You're like, I know. It's like in the Matrix. Like, I know Kung Fu. Like, well, so is your phone, though. The ability to just pull out of the air Google answers. 
I mean, it's all insanity compared to a guy who lives in the 16th century who has to put a dress over a table leg so he doesn't get a boner. You know, and you can just watch people throw keys into some chick's wide open asshole. I mean, people are crazy today. What we have available to us today would look like sorcery, witchcraft, and madness to people that lived just a few hundred years ago. Even 20 years ago. I mean, I go back and I watch Robocop, and the thing they had to track Robocop in the city, their fake movie version of it looks shittier than what I have in, re in real life now. <laughs> I mean, they couldn't fake it as well as I have it right now. That's crazy. So here's a question. If you want to, like, if you want to look into someone else's consciousness, you would also then have to be willing you have to, to do a lot of ayahuasca. Street. What's that? You have to do a lot of ayahuasca. Yeah, would you give somebody else the right to do that to you? Would you want to expose everything you're thinking to everybody else? I think once everybody's shit is out there, then it'll be okay. The only problem that we all have with it is because we all have secrets. Right. But when they don't exist anymore... It's it's what it is. The same thing as privacy. You'd understand the human condition in a new way. You would. Uh, it wouldn't be like, oh my God, he's checking out that girl. Of course he is. He's a human male. And that girl, you know, the same way. Oh wow, he looked at that guy. We would just understand we're all we're all basically part animal, part consciousness, and we would respect the animal part and respect the consciousness part. So those things wouldn't even make noise. They wouldn't even make blips on our radar anymore. Like he was saying, we would just appreciate people for who they are. And if something was really aberrant from that, maybe we would take notice. Yeah, I think we're not going to be people anymore. Yeah, <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. It's definitely coming. We're going to be some new thing. Just like we're not apes anymore once we figured out how to talk. Once we figured out how to talk, we are apes, but are we? No, we can fucking plot things. We can figure things out. We can talk shit about each other. You know, it's, it's such a different animal than a chimp that has a few grunts. It became something different. When we have access to all of each other's thoughts and ideas, and we, we can in exchange freely information, it's going to be a different thing than a person. But You know, what's crazy, too, is that when you, we go back to what you're talking about with money and wealth, is that there's a whole majority part of the world that doesn't have access to these things. So if these things start driving evolution, is there gonna be people that take evolutionary steps that the other half of the species doesn't, or the other 70% of the species doesn't? They won't it's have access possible. to it. I mean, it's certainly possible, but if you look at even third world countries, cell phones are extremely prevalent. Whereas just, you know, a few decades ago, you had to be really wealthy to have a cell phone in America. Now cell phones are everywhere, and they're everywhere in Brazil. Every time I go to other countries, I mean, all over the world, everybody has cell phones. You can see the poorest countries in Africa, and oftentimes you see people with cell phones. So I think that, like everything else, it'll eventually be spreading. I think one of the things that we'll have to be careful of is with all of this technology, we may forget that we are still part animal because the animal itself, the hardware, is not going to evolve that fast. The software and the ability to kind of process things, that'll change at this rapid rate. We're seeing that already. But the hardware, what we're actually made of, is not going to change that quickly. And so we're going we're gonna to have to be careful not to ignore the basic needs of that animal and do things like put ourselves at peace, quiet the noise, actively work to go in some place like a sensory deprivation tank where we can let all of the chaos go for a little while and give our animals some rest or we're going to get to such a state that the human organism is going to have some difficulties. You know, I think about that a lot, like when you talked about us still being animals, when I eat, 
It's like, I developed this body through evolution to hunt and kill and get more food. Well, other people to this day, I still eat like that, but I don't act like that. It's like, I eat, you know, all this high protein stuff, and then, oh, I'm going to play video games for eight hours. Cool. You know, it's like, it's like my body has not caught up to the change that has happened physiologically. Yeah. Well, hardware will change much slower than software. You know, I, and I think that's, that's what we have to look forward to and be cognizant of that. And look where we are. We're at South by Southwest. The biggest part of South by Southwest now is the interactive part, which is basically just covers everything on the internet. You might as well, it's such a broad topic now, I don't even know why they can like try to house all the internet in one convention. But it's the biggest one, it's the most expensive badge, and it's also the most false construction. All those people are online. They don't need to gather in a city to hold a convention. They can hold that entire thing online. You know, it would actually be way more efficient to do that. But there's still that human need to go to a place and be in the same place and be in a room where something happens. Well, I mean, That's if you think about it, point. like what we're doing right now, this could be an interactive panel, like digital convergence in the physical space. Bam, pay us 800 bucks, you know? <laughs> Uh, like, this is a prime example of that. There's thousands of people watching right now. They don't need to come and be here in person to get the information that's being disseminated. Right, but this is a poorly thought out idea where they can't even hear us and it, <laughs> it interferes with the actual conversation itself because it's like having a conversation at a train station. So I feel you, <laughs> but not really. <laughs> Hopefully, I think the audio is going a lot better on the stream, so I think the people virtually can hear us a lot better. This is way better for the people at home that are enjoying it than the people here, you know? Yeah, well, that one chick did flash her tits. I do want to point that out. She would do that no matter what you did. <laughs> that's just what she does. There's some people that that's just what they do. I guess somebody at home could all tab and go <laughs> find the same thing if they wanted to. I think they will never be able to replace the buzz of actual human interaction though, you know? I mean, there's more things that go on. When you meet someone, there's a surprising amount of attraction that happens on the level of smell. And you're not gonna tell me that they're gonna sort out the subtle intricacies of pheromones and how they match the DNA and trigger these animal responses in people to cause attraction, you know? That technology is a long ways away to do that. And that's what happens from this human interaction. Catching the vibes from different people. Not only the smells, the feeling, the aura, that sense of inspiration you can catch from someone from seeing them live. A rock star exploding on a stage. Fighter who just does something incredible. I mean, the buzz that you get from being there in person is way different than even seeing it from the best angle on TV. Yeah, I mean, that's true. But you just told me about a robotic arm that can tell you if stuff is soft and hard. That's How long true. until all of that is translated virtually across the internet? And I'm here like, oh, that person stinks. You know, that smells good. And you can get all of the information through a virtual experience. You know, it's, again, it's just evolution of the technology. Yeah, when you no longer have those biological urges because you're no longer biological. I saw this video of a guy from Australia that got his arm and his leg bitten off by a shark. And he had an artificial arm and an artificial leg, these carbon fiber legs and arms that he could move around. And he walked like a normal person, he walked great, he moved his hand around, looked, and I was thinking, well, okay, he's missing an arm and a leg, but he's still got one arm and one leg. What if he lost his whole body and he had a head and they put it on ice and they said, look, we can build you a robot body, do you want to stay alive? He'd probably say yes, right. they would stick his head on a robot body and then he'd be moving around with this robot body with no need whatsoever for food. 
He'd have batteries, no need for physical touch. He wouldn't feel it. He could just program a chip, put it in his body if he wants to have sex. I mean, if you can do that with arms and legs, you can do that eventually, most likely, with the whole package. But I think that people, you know, at least in my belief system, eventually will realize that, you know, this is a good turn in a dream called Earth and a good experience that we have. But we're going to get another chance, maybe in this world, maybe in another. The desire, like Ray Kurzweil's desire to desperately cling to this like it's a one chance, it's dependent on an atheist paradigm, a paradigm that there is no afterlife, there is no other other force you're going through. There's nothing that happens at death besides decay of the body and nothing, and silence. And I think that's not a really accurate, at least in my own belief system, depiction of what happens. So I think more knowledge of that is going to come filter through the consciousness, and then people won't, if they do get their head bit off, they'll be able to say, ah, let's take another go, maybe on fucking Pandora, because I know they got, they got bodies incarnating over there. I'll dip into one of those bodies and try it. Or maybe I'll take another turn on Earth in a hundred years when things aren't so fucked up as they are now. You know, so all of those kind of Kurzweilian uh, concerns are dependent on a belief that when you die, game over. No, I, I agree with you. It's like, I, I, mean, I don't know how to say it without sounding like too spiritual, but it's like there's a certain energy that gets released. And from our perspective, we just can't see it right now. And then, you know, once you're got rid of this, then you understand it. And then it makes a lot more sense. And you realize, oh yeah, that was all just bullshit. That was just temporary. That doesn't matter at all. Well, isn't it kind of like the difference between reading a book and going to a movie? Back when you can read a book, reading a book was amazing. It was an amazing experience. The imagination was stimulated. Then you go to a movie and you see this insane, epic 3D adventure in front of you. And the book, you know, if the movie's well done, becomes really like a second-rate experience. What if life as a biological entity becomes a second-rate experience? Because being a robot is way fucking better. You don't have any depression, there's no loneliness, there's no sadness, there's no rejection, there's no fear, there's no death. All the shit that's been fucking with people from the beginning of time is immediately eradicated and you have this euphoric, ecstasy-like state all day where you are able to just take in the wonders of the universe. Once people find out that that's better than being a guy that's sitting around just waiting for your body to die. But the, o the only way that you can find out that it's better is to do it. Like, if they ever made a teleporter, I would never use it. Because I would never be convinced that the guy that comes out at point B is the same guy that went in at A. No matter what that guy at B tells me. I would never use a teleporter. If they made it tomorrow, I would still get my ass on a plane. And it's like, if people transfer their consciousness into the computer, and then the computer goes, this is way better, I'd go, fuck you, I'm not doing it. I just wouldn't believe it. That's a good point. Especially if you've seen The Fly. Right? Yeah. Remember? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fucked up. <laughs> the guy got a little gross. Or even scarier, let's say you get in the teleporter, right? You go in from Austin to LA. You come out in LA, but another you comes out in fucking Siberia. And you're like, all right, Bernie 2, get to fucking work. It's like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Which one are you? Right. It's like, you're fine, but you're also fucked at the same time. I think we, we talk about technologies in the sense of machines and things like that. But I think there are other technologies that we're only scratching the surface and exploring. And we're talking about getting these virtual reality experiences. I took a psychedelic called Iboga, which is a root that comes from a country of Gabon in Africa. It's a 24-hour experience. You're up all night. 
and it's incredibly intense. And at one point in that experience, it took me into the life of a bee. And I was able, at least in my own head, obviously I don't really know what a bee was like, but I was able to see life as a bee would see with like myopic eyes and how it kind of maneuvered the world and what its motivations were. And it was an incredibly rich experience. And maybe that was just nonsense in my head and what my imaginings was, but maybe I actually was tapping into something. But we don't really know because those things are illegal and we can't explore those technologies. Those are the taboo technologies. Throw you in jail for playing with those. Let's just play with machines that blow shit up instead. I think there's a whole other world that we could explore and figure out where to go that doesn't involve machines at all, that involves plants that evolved the wrong, right alongside with us. You're right, and like you said, the sad part is we won't know because you can't research it, you can't effectively study it and be like, For oh, well, this is a, this and this and this happened. That's starting to change though quite a bit. MAPS has released a new psychedelic study on LSD. Um, they're doing MDMA studies on people with PTSD. Johns Hopkins released a long-term study on people that took psilocybin mushrooms. So I think that's starting to change slowly but surely. When people realize, the academics, the really intelligent people realize you're not protecting anyone from anything. And anyone that supports this prohibition is being foolish and we're missing out on research on really pretty fascinating chemicals. Yeah. And how long ago was it that Portugal got rid of all their drug laws? Just got took them off the books. They're go, they're done. Totally completely decriminalized. Was it seven years ago now they did that? No, de completely decriminalized. That I said, yeah. Yeah, and they've done it for getting close to a decade now of that. No, no impact on their society at all. A positive impact. In positive fact. impact. Less drug addicts, less violent crime, less people that are prisoners. I mean, what we have right now is we, we, we have essentially a prison economy, and the economy wants certain laws to stay in place, because if those laws stay in place, they can keep feeding these private boxes where they get paid to keep people caged up. They're using people like batteries. They're batteries that generate money. What I read, I read just today in the Washington Post that over 50% of people incarcerated in federal prisons are there in drug offenses. It's like more than everything else combined is like that one so number. It's, it's, an it's an incredible time where we're at, where, you know, you say one thing is okay, one thing is bad, and it's completely arbitrary. And I think one of the most encouraging signs of improvement is the eradication of these draconian laws. There's going to be spurts. The GOP just tried to pass a law to make it harder for the legal marijuana states to do business. But they're fighting a losing battle. The cat's out of the bag. People are no longer going to tolerate it, you know? And the politicians, we all know they're fickle. But that can be a good thing, too, because as soon as enough people say, hey, fuckers, I'm not going to vote for you if you do this stupid shit anymore, then they'll switch. They'll be like, I was always pro-marijuana. What do you mean? What do you mean? Well, I mean, just follow the money. I mean, the headlines say it. Colorado's reporting record revenue on taxing, you know, marijuana since they've legalized it. It's like, we projected, you know, this amount of money. It's way more than we thought. You know, that bills lobbying money, that bills, you know, money that's going to go towards politicians who, you know, change the way they think. I, I never thought about until I was sitting right here. He's talking about the positive tax revenue from selling marijuana. What happened to all the people who were already in jail for now crimes that are no longer crimes? Were they all let loose? 
And I don't think they were. I don't think no, so. I think no. they have to continue serving their sentence. That's got to be a bitter pill <laughs> when you're sitting in prison watching TV and they're reporting all the positive effects of legalization and your ass is in prison or, or you know, something that's not illegal anymore. Who's the guy that gets arrested for it a day before it becomes legal and, you know, is incarcerated and is like... 24 hours. Think of the positive effects on a state's budget if all those prisoners got out of jail. Because what they did is no longer illegal. Well, I know Seattle released all the pending cases. People that were arrested for marijuana and hadn't gone to trial yet, they got rid of everything. Seattle did. I don't know what Colorado did. It's, it's really insane that it's only two states. That's what's really insane. It's 2014, and only two states made weed legal? I mean, that's pretty hilarious when you can drink in 50 of them. Well, don't you think that like this is the floodgates opening? Like other people are going to see those two states didn't crash and burn. They have a lot of money. And now other states are going to be like, oh yeah, we're going to, like you said, I'm all for that. You know, we're all, we're all about that that's, too. That's the importance of states' rights. So states can become cool as fuck and then all the neighbors go, harumph, our state sucks. Everybody's moving next door and they say, fuck it. Let's, let's blow the wheels off this bitch. Make a new Vegas with weed. You know, it's like neighborhoods. You, know, you should be able to have a good neighborhood. You should be able to have a good state. It's really the same. Like, and how do you how do you develop a good state? Well, you need an example. You know, you need an example like Colorado that figures out a good state, and everybody goes, "Oh, well, why don't we do that too?" I mean, it's really very similar, and that's one of the reasons why states' rights are so important. That happened with the lottery, essentially, which is gambling. A couple of states got the lottery; it worked well. Now, is there a single state that doesn't? have a lottery or a multi-state lottery that they're a part of? I mean, I don't know of any of them that do. No, I, I'm pretty sure all of them participate, at least at some level. And that's a far more destructive addiction than marijuana. I, I agree. agree. Gambling but, is a fucking really destructive addiction. But Take again, it. they spin it. It's all about perception. It's, we're going to use that to pay for education. Yeah. So it's like, oh, well, yeah, it's bad, but it's doing good. Well, before we solve the world here, guys, we were so close. I know it. Another 15 minutes, the world would have been solved, for sure. <laughs> we're out of time here. The first ever party cast, some technical glitches. We battled through like warriors. No big deal. Yes, we pulled it off, sort of. Yeah, <laughs> twice. Once with the echo and once in the mics. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Bernie and Gus. It was awesome thank to you. talk to you. We'll have to do this Thank you, my brother, John. And thank you to all you mad love. I love all you motherfuckers. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Woo.